Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of Real Estate Uncensored. This is the place where you get actionable ideas, insight, and inspiration to turn your real estate career into a life of freedom. We've got a special guest, uh, which uh, you might, you guys may not know yet. Uh, his episode of Pursuing Results will be coming out shortly, but we've got him here to talk about another topic, something different than what he covered on the other podcast with us, and we'll get to that in a second. We're going to talk all about relationship marketing as opposed to direct mail marketing, some of the options for developing relationships relationships with people. Uh, and uh, we've got some questions we'll take about that. We've got a lot of stuff to get into. But before we do that, let me bring in the junior grandmaster himself in the co-pilot seat, as always, <laughs> my partner in crime, Greg McDaniel. Greg, what's up? Matt, what is up, man? I'm so excited to have Michael back on the show, man. He was such a great guest last time. I know what we're going to talk about today is going to be something super, super, super awesome, something that people can put into their businesses sooner than later. We're in late, in the recording of this is late Q4 of 2016, so it's a perfect time to start implementing a lot of what he's going to, what he's going to talk about. But I got to tell you a funny story, two funny stories, actually. So, Alton, um, we have time for two funny I can give you, I can if, give you three you quarters talking, of one funny story. If you keep talking, we won't have enough time, sir. Oh, okay. No. Sorry. Greg time, adult time, remember? Okay. <laughs> so the, Alton hit me up on, on the text to, today. Um, he called me and then I, I was in an uh, AIM training class. And so he texted me. I called him back. He's like, hello. I'm like, hey, Alton, Greg McDaniel. He's like, huh? you call me back? I'm like, yeah, dude, that's what phones do. He's like, oh my God, I thought you were so full of shit. I, I never thought you were going to call me back. I'm like, yeah, dude, I told people I'm going to call him back. He's like, I think everybody thinks you're full of crap. And I'm like, well, here's a testimony to them not. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, feel feel then, free to go on social media and tell people I'm I'm not full of crap. Yes, well, that segues perfectly, Matt, into my second story here. Um, there was a a guy George who we know no no name for la, no need for last names. He um he 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 thinks I'm a jerk on my live on my live on my live shows my live prospecting shows. And Aaron Whittenstein, you jackass, he had to chime in and go, yeah. Yeah, he is, George. I'm like, gosh, damn it, you too. Now, now oh. wait, a, a jerk to the people that are watching or listening live or a jerk to the people that you're calling in Circle I'm Prospect? I'm not sure. I think it might be like jerk, like, damn it, I wish I could, you know, it was as smooth as, you know, when I did it, like when speaking oh, okay. as, as him. But anyways, George, knuckles to you. Thanks for calling me a jerk. Made my day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, what? what? I don't okay. even know. Those, those were two semi-nonsensical stories, but I'm glad they amused you, Greg. Oh, shush. All right, let's bring in our special guest because I'm excited to get into the content here. So, Michael Benner. Um, Michael, how are you today? I'm great. Better and better. Thank you. Good, good, good. Whoa. So, uh, so we reached out. Uh, I, I kind of stumbled across you uh, through a mutual connection on LinkedIn, and we had a bunch of different kind of connections. So, you you have a role with with send out cards, and we'll get. I want to kind of have have you tell people about that. But you're also a podcast host, so kind of give people a sense of uh, number one where you're at and what do you spend your time doing. What are your main roles in life? Well, I started my career as a radio broadcaster. That's what I majored in in uh, college. I worked my way through college, in fact, as a radio news guy. And then I started doing talk shows in Detroit and uh, moved to Los Angeles in the 70s and did that for another 20 years. But um, as I moved into my early 40s, I saw that radio was pretty much a young fellow's game and so I started looking around for another career, a second career, and decided to make what had been an avocation of mine a uh, vocation. And so I put together everything I knew about meditation, about visualization, about guided imagery, self-hypnosis, and all of the 
success trainings, you know, from Norman Vincent Peale to Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill. And all of these guys were aware of the power of guided imagery and visualization in relaxed states. Um, the importance of the way managing stress makes you smarter. That's the bottom line. And so I started doing personal development training for individuals, for couples, for businesses and large corporations. And that's pretty much been the second half of my career. That's that's what I do. That's what I love to do. Um, Self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and critical thinking, I would say, is the best way to sum it up. Very, very cool. All right. So, uh, so let me mention that the, you have a podcast called Ageless Wisdom, right? Yeah, the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And I pull a lot on what's called the perennial philosophy, which are principles of personal and actually spiritual development as well, or what in psychology would be called transpersonal, because it's not really religion. It's got nothing to do with religion. And yet there are aspects of self like intuition and conscience that go beyond the ego or the personality per se. And that too, I've always found absolutely fascinating. And that's what people want. That's really where we connect with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. The word love is so overused that Mm -hmm. I'm always anxious about bringing it up, but love is a level of awareness. It's not just an emotional feeling like baby, oh baby, or give me a hug, or hey, brah, really dig your action. (laughs) Love is awareness. It's like, how awake are you? We, We go to sleep at night, we wake up in the morning, but then, you know, lots of us walk around in a trance that is self-induced because we think so much and we believe that our thoughts are helping us discern reality. In fact, what they're doing is obscuring and distorting reality. And so we miss out on a lot of what's actually happening in the world. Uh, In business, we could say missing out on a lot of opportunities and wonderful in-depth relationships because we live in this fog made out of our own confusion and our own attempt to figure things out with our mental nature. And awareness goes far beyond simply what you think. So where does it go? I mean, a lot of people, and people, a lot of people talk about conscious and subconscious mindsets. You know, your conscious mindset is like the top of the ocean where you see the ripples and the waves and the, the wind blowing on it. It's kind of what you, your, your daily, you know, intake is right subconscious is like the the you know the 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 currents that underlie in the ocean and take the really make the ocean live right they're constantly moving very very strong so when they take it like you said to another level what what does that look like well i'll i'll develop your allegory uh if the ocean is the cosmos in your allegory if the ocean is the universe the set of all possibilities the excuse me the wave on the ocean is somewhat individuated but it still knows it's part of the ocean however the raindrop or the dewdrop 
get separated from the ocean. That's the personality. That's the ego. That's the part most of us identify with. And the reason we feel so alienated, lonely, and separated, and and disconnected, and spend our whole lives reaching out to reconnect. In fact, if the raindrop knew it was the wave, if through the wave, which is both individuated and yet grounded in the ocean, if we knew that we were the wave, we would be connected to the ocean, we would be connected to each other, we would be part of one thing. And that's what love as awareness, not as emotion, but love as awareness, peace and tranquility and and being calm and a good word for it is equanimity, but most people don't know the word. It's level-headed and even-tempered. And you can access that sense of being connected to all that is. Well, in business, that helps you create better relationships with your clients, your customers, your coworkers, your bosses. You can even sympathize with your boss, even though he may be a jerk. Uh, real leadership comes from empathy and you can't have empathy if you don't know the truth of who you are. So that's how it unfolds. Know thyself, empathize with others. And now you can be a leader of people and create better business. We're in a real estate podcast here. You know, you could sell houses or you could help people find homes. There's a big difference between selling a house and helping somebody find what they're really looking for that feels like home. Home Mm -hmm. is where the heart is. That's another way of talking about this. Just briefly, let me add. You can, in Eastern philosophy, there is a concept of aggregates that we are, our perception of the world, our behavior, our emotional feelings, and our thoughts But the fifth aggregate is awareness, and awareness overshadows all of the other four. So you can think, but then you can be more aware of your thought process. You can have emotions, but then you could elevate your perspective and have a greater awareness of why you feel the way you feel and what it says about you, not just the person that, quote, made you feel that way. You can behave reflexively or you can be aware. Uh, This is the same as higher consciousness of my choices and my options and that I probably have more alternatives than are immediately apparent. And my perception of the world could be routine or I could elevate my awareness of what's going on around me. So that's another way of talking about what is higher consciousness or expanded awareness. I'm scared to scratch deeper on, on in your brain because <laughs> that was a simple question and we just, I, we can close the show. That was impressive. Yeah. Well, thank you, but it's not that complicated, is it? No, it's not, well, it's not to you because I mean, you, you're making us look like mental midgets and that's fine with, with me because that's, that means we have an opportunity to grow. And I think a lot of people, when they sit at a fountain of, of, of knowledge like yourself, where they can really start reflecting and looking back because in our industry, we get kicked on and kicked down, stepped on, you know, yelled at, you know, treated like garbage sometimes by clients. And we don't, we don't, 
we don't have that level of thinking the way that you just described. We always Six. project it out. Well, that's the path to success. That's mm-hmm. what successful women and men figure out is like if somebody insults you, if it hurts, it's because you don't understand the truth of who you are. If you knew yourself, if you had a higher level of awareness about why you think the way you think, why you feel the way you feel, why you do the things you do, and somebody insults you, you're going to take the hit, but you could within seconds take a breath and relax and say, well, that's not true. He doesn't know me. In fact, he's probably having a very bad day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe the dog died. Maybe he got a big tax bill. He's taking it out on me. Let that be about him or her, not me. I know myself. And the funny thing is, I think this is odd anyway. I've reconciled it in my own mind. But when I tripped down to this material and began to study all these transpersonal philosophies, I thought, oh, my God, if I get too self-confident, I'm going to be arrogant and pompous and conceited and walk with a swagger and then nobody will like me. And what I found out is for everybody, the more we understand the truth of our individuality, the more humble we become because we're not comparable. We're, we're all incomparable, no better, no worse, just unique in our makeup. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to be more and more and more of who you are and never get fooled to believe you're somehow better than somebody else. Just because they're undiscovered doesn't mean they're, you know, just because somebody rides an elevator to the top or escalator is what I mean to say works for elevators too. But let's say you ride an escalator to the top and then you step off and stand there. Or take the elevator and you're waiting for an elevator and the door opens and you try to get on before letting anybody else get off. That's not stupid. That's just a lack of awareness. You get to the top of the the escalator, move out of the way. There's other people coming up. The elevator door is open. Stand back. Let the people out before you get in. You find yourself sitting at a traffic light that's already turned green and somebody has to honk the horn to wake you up. Ask yourself, where did I go? Why was I not conscious? Uh, How come I can't find my car in the mall? (laughs) It it was only 10 minutes ago. I I can't remember where I left it. It's because we're we're not stupid. We're living in a fog made of our own stressful thinking. It distorts and obscures reality. We're smart. We're just, most of us, not very aware. So how do we, how do we clear that fog out? How do, we, how do we eliminate that fog with a technique, a book? I mean, what's something that the laymen, such as myself and Matt and everyone else listening to this, how can we clear the fog? How can we begin that process? It's a matter of stress reduction, frankly. I'm writing a book now, it's almost complete, called Fearless Intelligence. And it's about the fact that fear, anxiety, and stress 
nervousness, worry, doubt, apprehension, whatever you want to call it, makes us unaware. You could say stupid. But uh, actually, stupid is not a bad word for it because we're stupefied. We're in a, we're in a, a daze. We're like out to lunch, right? Mm-hmm. But it's an insulting word to tell somebody they're stupid uh, and to say, hey, you're, you're uh, frightened, you're stressed out, uh, is insulting and, and terrifying to a lot of people. Don't tell me I'm afraid. I'm not afraid. Well, actually, I'm afraid to be afraid, to be afraid, to be afraid, to admit how terrified I really am. And yet, if we face our fears, even if you minimize it and say, well, uh, I'm not afraid, I have my concerns, all right, nervous apprehension just a little bit, still fear by any name. If we face that fear and stress, if we embrace it, if we recognize it not as a sign of danger, but as an indication of what we do not know, if we say all of my anxiety is simply the brain's request, my brain's request for more information. And at the center of everything I don't understand is me. So if I make it about me, instead of the housing market, if I make it about me instead of the economy, if I make it about me instead of my boss is such a jerk, I learn about myself and the fear goes away. That's fearless intelligence. That's higher consciousness. That's expanded awareness. Know thyself. What greater wisdom is there than know thyself? And most Michael. of us don't. I mean, you know, the biggest fear in the world is who am I? Yeah. Greater than the fear of death, greater than the fear of root canals, greater than the fear of public <laughs> speaking is what if I find out my parents were right and I really am a dummy? Or that that first girlfriend that I had or boyfriend who said I was uh, stupid and inadequate or rejected me or broke my heart. What if they're right? What if I really am unlovable? That's the big fear. That's the major stress that underlies every single problem in our lives. The common link in every problem that you have is you. (laughs) And the solution (laughs) is to figure out the truth of who you are. (laughs) I love that because it's so true because it's, I I mean, I, I can trace a lot of fears down to, and I was telling this to somebody the other day, it's, it's the identity level. And it's exactly that question because it goes right, right to the heart of it is who am I? Yeah. Right. So whether, whether you succeed at a certain level, yes, there's some, there's some, you know, reward, there's some psychological rewards that you will lose if you don't achieve a certain level of success. But really what it comes down to when we're afraid of fear, afraid, you know, we're, we're afraid of failure, afraid of success, whatever you want to call it. It's all two sides of the same coin. Right. But whatever we're afraid of is being really coming to the, the realization that we are something we don't want to be. Like we have a mental perception of who we would like to be and who we want others to view ourselves as. And then, so we put in all this work to kind of become that or get to that level where we feel like we're that level to somebody else. And we're afraid of not hitting that and not being that person. It all all goes down to that identity level. Well, 
we can also say that most people don't know what they want. What people call goals is usually an attempt to avoid what they don't want. Go deeper on that. Yeah. Go deeper on well, that. The mind, the mind doesn't work that way. You can't avoid what you do not want. If you, every time you think about what you do not want, you attract it. Right. Yeah. You reap what you sow. You go where you look. You get what you expect. What goes around comes around. Uh, for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. However many different ways you want to say it, it comes down to, I'll give you an example. You will fail at this, so brace yourself. <laughs> Do not think of a purple elephant. Ah, damn it. No different than if I had suggested that you should think of a purple elephant. So if you say to yourself, gosh, I hope I don't forget, you've planted yeah, a seed of forgetting. Boy, I hope I don't screw up this deal. Hmm. Well, your brain goes, screw up the deal. We can do that. We've, we've got lots of practice at screwing up the deal. We, we can do that. And so thoughts are seeds. They're programs, just like programming a computer. You don't program a computer to avoid something you don't want. It, it, you know, you don't plant seeds in the earth to prevent weeds from growing. Nobody ever hit a home run by wishing they did not strike out. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great quote. So the yeah. reason people don't know what they want is they don't know the person doing the wanting themselves. Right. And we ask the wrong question, you guys. I think the mistake we make in a practical sense is we ask ourselves when we're stuck, what do I do? Now what do I do? Gosh, what do you guys think I should do? I don't know what to do. Well, you can't know what to do if you don't know where you want to end up. You have to, as Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. Make sense? Mm -hmm. I've got to know what I do want if I'm going to move toward it. I can't know what to do till I know what I want, and I can't know what I want until I know why I want it, and I can't know why I want it if I don't know who I am. It may sound complicated, but it's really not. We're back to know thyself. How could anything work if I don't know the truth of who I am, why I want what I want, it's not enough to say, well, everybody else is getting married, having kids, and trying to make money. I guess I'm I, not sure. I, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do, really. Maybe not. Maybe you're supposed to go to Maui and windsurf all day. Uh, yeah, I see. I've, I've, been, I've been telling my parents that for years. Okay, Greg, <laughs> <laughs> Greg, just, Greg just quit the podcast and shoulder rolled out the window behind us and sprinted to his car. Peace, Johnson. I'm out. I got an airplane to catch. <laughs> and then you figure out how to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, but I this like is, that, though. This is incredibly, 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 incredibly deep stuff because a lot of the times when people talk about goals and dreams, and I just realized I've been clusterfucking it for years now and doing it completely backwards because I haven't known who I really am and what I really want. I have an idea of what I want and what I, who I think I am. Sure. But, but I, like you've been saying, I've been too afraid 
to potentially unmask the, you know, the real me. Thank you, Slim Shady. Um, and, you know, who is the real me? What do I really look like? What do I really want? Do I, what are those evil, nasty things that you, if, if I admit them to myself, then, then who am I? How can I come back from that? You are not what you think of yourself. You are what you care about. You are what you love. What's important to you is not what you think should be important or what you think other people think should be important, but what do you love to do? That's where your success is hidden in what you love to do. And if you do what you love to do, as Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. I know that can be misunderstood and interpreted as airy-fairy, new-age, hippie nonsense. It can easily be that. But let me say it this way. Success does not create happiness. That's backwards. Happiness creates success. Mm -hmm. Happiness is a choice, not a result. Happiness is the way. We discovered in, or my generation in the 60s, that there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Mm -hmm. You don't fight a war to create peace. When has that ever worked? You get to peace by being a peaceful person and treating other people with kindness and respect and dignity. That is a choice that you make to be a happy person, to be in your integrity, to be true. Hamlet says, to thine own self be true. And then as the day follows the night, thou canst not be false to any man. Be true to yourself. Be in your integrity. Follow your heart. All of these axioms risk that, and that happiness is the path that will lead to success that you cannot put a dollar sign on Mm -hmm. to fulfillment and ineffable rewards that may or may not show up in your bank account. But I know a lot of rich people that are miserable. Yeah. So I can't define success in terms of money. Money is nice. There's a, (laughs) there's a, a a great Buddhist, Buddhist teacher Uh, named Jack Cornfield, who says, you know, I really got to admit, there's a certain, for all the uh, non-materialism in that philosophy uh, and emphasis on acceptance, uh, uh, he says, I I have to admit, there is a certain Buddha-like tranquility that comes with having a few thousand dollars in the bank. I mean, (laughs) let's be real. (laughs) Right? So... (laughs) But how much is enough? Yeah. Yeah. See? Do you yeah, and that's really... where it goes down to awareness of who you are. Yeah. Because exactly. the people that I look at that are the most successful and are all still continually driven, like, I mean, and I don't mean like, you know, I mean, I mean driven as in compelled to keep on acting and, compl- and, and keep on taking massive action every day. It feels like there is something missing in their identity where no matter what they've achieved, they still don't feel like they've achieved enough 
whatever in whatever comparison to what's in their head of what they believe that they should achieve in order to feel like they feel like they should feel, if that makes sense. It does. And I think we can also admit that uh, financial security and prosperity allows you to have more freedom to do what you love to do. So doing what you love to do can create that financial freedom. But let's say you get it. Let's say you, you, you've got enough invested, your portfolio is healthy enough that now you can sleep in, get up, go where you want, do what you want. I often ask my clients, imagine you've got 50 million, a $50 million portfolio, you're set. You got a house on every continent, you got the sports car, you got a boat, you got you know, beautiful partner and kids and you got everything you want. What are you going to do tomorrow? Podcast. Yeah, right. They say, well, I'll lay by the pool. Okay. After a week of laying by the pool, what are you going to do? <laughs> Greg would start to gnaw his own arm off at about hour two of the pool. Yeah. Oh, I, I would, I would read, I would travel. I yeah. would, meet other people, but I would also want to make some kind of contribution to the world. Why did Bill Gates give away $35 billion? Because he's a nice guy? Yeah, but he had $70 billion, for one thing. (laughs) (laughs) He he managed to get by on the the other $35 billion that's left. I feel feel for him. Slumming it, I say. Slumming it. Uh, imagine right. how gratifying it is to be that charitable, to yeah. know that you're making a difference, that hungry children are eating, that kids that would have died from uh, malaria and HIV are now living, that that girls are not allowed to go to school in the Middle East can now go to school and, and become uh, fulfilled women making a contribution. I mean, in if we hate our jobs and and if they're purely materialistic, we don't get that fulfillment. And then we're driven to make more money and more money as if that's going to do it. We got to make the, the money. We got bills to pay. Mm-hmm. I want a car that starts when I turn the key. I want a house that, with a roof that doesn't leak. I want to be able to give my kids every opportunity that I didn't have. And so the financial side of this is real enough. It's not an either or, right? It's not Mm -hmm. like be a hippie, live in a van, or be this mad capitalist that doesn't care about anybody. We can split the difference. We can walk, here's equanimity again, right down the middle of that, recognize the need for financial prosperity, the freedom that it grants us, and also recognize that, as I said before, we are what we care about, what's important to us. What would you do if you already had a nice $50 million portfolio? Do you really need $300 million? Do you really need a billion? Do you need $2 billion? Well, what would yes. you do with it? Lots and lots of charitable acts. You know, there's a guy named Ken Baring. He's a prolific 
developer. He developed a huge complex out here called Blackhawk. It's a gigantic golf course community. He's building another city and another continent. And this guy, when he was growing his business, he's a multi-billionaire, right? He, um, he had the, you know, the private jet, he had the private yacht, he had the multi hundred millions of dollars, you know, but he wasn't fulfilled. And then it's around his old, all of his buddies that were the same wealth status. And he's like, okay, well maybe I'll buy a sports team that maybe that'll make me happy. So he bought a sports team and they go, God, I'm still not happy. So he went and got a bigger plane, a bigger boat, a better sports team. And he still wasn't happy. Now this is going to come Michael into direct correlation to what you were just saying. He then was asked to go to India and give away wheelchairs to kids who couldn't walk. And so he was out giving away wheelchairs and one child looked up to him and held on to him and would not let go of him. And through a translator, you know, he was, he was able to understand, Ken was able to hear this child's words and it said, please stay here for another minute so that I can see what you look like. So I can thank you when I get to heaven. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. He has now started a wheelchair foundation, and that is his pride and joy. I mean, and he's still a billionaire and driving around and he has all his big stuff, but he's, he's giving back to society and to the world as a whole and making it a better place. But when you have a child that has nothing, says, I want to remember your face so I can thank you in heaven. I mean, come on. What sports team win is ever going to top that? Ever. Yeah, and uh, religion aside, we can consider that we make of our earthly existence a heaven or a hell. Mm-hmm. And that another way of talking about what we're describing here in business, in family, in relationships, in every aspect of our life is to redeem the negative or the positive, to respond to hateful, insulting language with understanding and kindness, to be the change. You've heard the axiom, be the change we wish to see in the world. It's not always easy because emotions are contagious. And so if somebody gets angry at you, your anger flares. If somebody seems to hate you, your hatred flares. But the idea of being more aware is to say, I'm not going to get pulled down into the mud. I'm going to rise above this and from my elevated perspective, redeem it. I'm going to respond not in kind. I'm going to respond with a much more elevated, much more appropriate response, which is what a parent does. You know, Mm -hmm. you can scream at a kid and terrify a kid and hope that they learn their lesson, or you can sit your son and daughter down and say, look, how rewarding was that? Did you really enjoy getting in that schoolyard brawl? Uh, did this cursing or smoking cigarettes or whatever, how'd that feel for you? And give them a chance to be honest about how they feel, not just what they think. And out of them, you'll see what you just described, this inner beauty. Well, we didn't lose that just because we stopped climbing trees and riding bikes. That inner childhood beauty and innocence is in every single one of us. Now, take that to the boardroom. Take that to the pending deal. Take that to your new referral and and your repeat customer and treat people. Ah, gosh, it's the golden rule. It's just... 
as simple as you treat people the way you want to be treated. What greater business ethic is there? Yeah. You know, there is, I've, I've read it several times before, but my favorite quote, which I soon will get this tattooed on me if I ever get my ass actually in gear to do this, but it's, it goes back to exactly what you're talking about. It's helping understand, you know, who you really are, not being afraid of letting that inner light shine. It says, our, um, it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. Your plane small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that so the other people won't feel ill and insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our fears, our presence automatically automatically liberates others. Marianne Williamson. Is that who wrote that? I thought that was un, unknown. No. Uh, I'll tell you who often gets credit for it is uh, Nelson Mandela because yeah. – he used it in his inaugural speech, but Marianne Williamson wrote that in a book called Return to Love. And uh, it's incredible. It's not, we're not afraid of our pain and suffering. We're afraid of our magnificence. Mm-hmm. We're afraid so that, that if we discover the truth of who we are, it'll blow our cover that mm-hmm. we're really nice guys. And well, what if I fail then? What if, what if I really am this spectacular, talented, uh, giving, kind individual? I'm going to get eaten alive in this world, right? Mm-hmm. And most of it's just confusion. And again, everything that hurts is rooted in fear. I'm going to say that again. Everything that hurts, frustrates, irritates, or humiliates us is rooted in fear, anxiety, stress by any name. And that is not about danger. It's about what we don't know. So everything that hurts, our sadness, our grief, our um, whatever the nature of the angst, our anger, our hatred, all of that is part of the brain asking us to provide more information. It just wants to understand. And it's like a warning light on the dashboard of your car. You don't go to the mechanic and say, replace the warning light. You say, look under the hood. Well, well some of us. <laughs> so, well, one thing so, I wanted to point out or, or just ask you about real quick, Michael, is when you talk about like the brain wanting more information, uh, as much as we would like for that to be just more input in the sense of academic knowledge, I think part of what the brain is looking for there and, and why we feel the fear of the unknown is that the brain is looking for experiential knowledge. And so the only way to get past that fear is to step into it and experience what's happening. And then the brain gets the input that it's looking for. And you realize that what you were afraid of doesn't necessarily come to pass or isn't as bad as you think. But does that, does that bear out? Do you agree with that? Sure. Uh, Richard Bach wrote a book, Running from Safety. Uh, if, if, if you're confused and don't know what to do, go do the most frightening thing you can imagine. Um, if you recognize that your anxieties are ultimately about yourself, then go into the scariest pit of what you're afraid of. You have to close your eyes and contemplate to do that. Meditate. Listen. Just shut up and listen to the still, small voices in your head. Some people say, listen during the gaps between your thoughts. Well, 
There are no gaps between our thoughts when we're stressed. We have monkey mind. You've got to <laughs> sit down for 10 or 15 minutes once a day to breathe, to relax, to quiet the mind. doesn't matter how you do it. Just breathe and relax. Just like, why do people go fishing? Not to catch fish. They go fishing because they can sit out there in the boat and it's quiet and they listen to the birds and the crickets and ah, that wonderful feeling that comes over you as the mind slowly stops chattering and then the small voice emerges, this whisper inside you. That's your conscience. That's your higher self. That's the overshadowing wisdom that knows you, that is you, and will answer these questions, tell you what you want, and reveal the truth of who you are as a unique individual. Uh, there is no greater peace. There is no greater freedom, no no richer sense of fulfillment than that. What are a couple of different ways, Michael, that you would suggest folks to maybe start be able, you know, allow that voice to be heard a little bit? I mean, if they, let's say they don't, they have a fear of water, would it be just going out and maybe putting on some nice music, meditating in the woods? Would it be going for a walk? What, what are some, some fa- the fastest possible routes they can get to that point of hearing that? And then what do they do with those? What do they do with the little voices that they, that they start to hear? You know, do they, should they journal it? Should they, you know, confide in a friend? What are, what are some good techniques to really help them start learning from these little voices? Whatever works, and everything you've named works. So one thing you say to the voices in the short term, if you're willing to admit there are voices in your head or pictures in your brain, is I am the watcher or the listener. I am not the voice. If we were the thoughts in our heads, we would have to admit that there's an argument going on during virtually every waking minute. Yes, I should. No, I shouldn't. What if I do? I don't know. Angel on one shoulder, devil on the other shoulder. I want the hot fudge Sunday. No, you don't. That's a thousand calories. Yeah, but I've been good. Screw the diet. I really want it. No, you don't. We're not those thoughts. Here's a great exercise, and then I'll answer your question. I just want to, I'm concerned about time, and I want to share this with you. And I'd love for your listeners to write this down. I, I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. Write it down, read it three times. I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. I can hear the voice in my head reading this sentence. And now if I ask you, are you the voice in your head that was reading the sentence? Greg, Matt, are you the voice in your head? Yes. Yeah, I mean, mean, I'm going to say yes. I'm hopeful I'm not wrong. 95% of people say yes. You're in good company. But it begs the question, who is the I can hear? Right. Oh. Who Damn. see the voice in my head reading the sentence is the subject of the sentence. The I can hear I is the I'm sorry, the object. I is the subject. It's the I that can hear. It's the I that can say, 
I'm not those negative thoughts. I am not that self-criticism. I am not that insult from my boss. I am not my broken heart. I am the observer. I am the witness. I am the awareness. And I choose to say yes to this wonderful thought, and I choose to say no to this ridiculous one over here. And here's one that I'll say maybe to, because i got to think about it and <laughs> feel it out a little bit more. I'm not quite sure just yet, but I am the witness. I am the observer. I am the thinker. And this is accomplished with mindfulness. You watch your breath. And that's the first and best, I'll say, first aid approach to managing stress, to sit for 10 minutes and watch your body breathing itself all by itself and be marvelously fascinated by the fact that you don't have to consciously remember to breathe, that you are the witness or the watcher of the body breathing itself. With practice, you can do that with your thoughts and say, I'm just, I can hear these thoughts, but I get to disagree with some of them. And my feelings and the world around me, I, I'm the witness. I am this higher self. And so managing stress is contemplation, meditation, relaxation. It is music. It is petting the dog and the cat. It is gardening. It is uh, walking in the woods. It is laughter. I mean, good, deep, honest belly laughs. It is being in love. It is being vulnerable. It is, it is playing with children. It is all of these things, whatever you love to do that relaxes you. <laughs> well, it's definitely the playing with kids for me, as anybody that knows me would know that. Oh, very well. um, all right, so let's so, put them so all together. What's Play that? with kids, listen to music, dance. I left dancing out and go walk in the woods with the cat <laughs> or the dog and put them all together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds like a whole menagerie. Um, so, so let's say, let's say you're doing the practical work to build the awareness of yourself, which will solve a, a lot of your problems from kind of from the inside out. Right. Right. So then how do you take, that awareness and how do you just on a nuts and bolts kind of practical level, how do you start to expand your awareness to include other people and kind of build more of an awareness of other people, what they're thinking and feeling in their perspective. So you're better at building relationships with them. The good news is it happens automatically. Really? All of these talents and gifts and abilities that we're promoting here today, I'll say it simply the peace and the wisdom that we're looking for is already in us. It's already there. All you have to do is let go of everything that is not love, truth, and wisdom. How do you let, go? How do you let that go, though? Because it's been your security blanket. It's been your, your wall. I mean, you, that you, you, you put that up around you. So how do you, how do you let that go? Yeah, funny we're talking about walls. You know, Robert Frost wrote a poem, Good Fences Make Good Neighbors, but it was tongue-in-cheek because the fences and the walls that we build to protect us also isolate us and become the very problem that we built the wall to avoid. We, 
they're our walls. Nobody else put that up. And so instead of climb over it or fly over it or dig under it or smash through it, which is what most people say, I've got to overcome my fear. No, you don't. It's your fear. Let it go. Hmm. You built it. You agreed to it. You're the one that's holding on to it. Stuck is not stuck. Stuck is holding on. So you can ride the roller coaster holding on for dear life and feel terrified, or you can choose to experience the very same feelings on the very same roller coaster with your hands held high in the air above your head and shout, whee, yippee. The feelings are the same, fear and, and excitement. Feel exactly the same. Weak knees, butterflies in your stomach, heart palpitations, a lump in your throat, sweaty palms, dilated pupils. But whether you experience it as fear or excitement, whether it holds you back or moves you forward, is a matter of whether you're holding on or letting go. So awareness is letting go of fear, not smashing through it or overcoming it. Take a breath, and as you exhale, put it down and mm-hmm. risk being vulnerable. Tell you know, the truth. You know, they, uh, as cliche as it is, you know, I, something that really works well for me is say, you know, saying to myself if I'm stressing out, I say, you know, change the way you view things, and the things you view will change. And for me, um, if I, you know, a lot of times for people in real estate, if you're having to prospect or do something that's, that's you're uncomfortable with, change the way you're viewing it and that subject will then change. So if it's door knocking or cold calling or following or doing a pop by or something along those lines, if you take it and go from a fear-based mindset and you go into a growth mindset where it's like, hey, what a blessed opportunity I have to potentially reconnect with someone or connect with someone for the first time. Therefore, and it goes from a fear-based and, 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 and something you don't want to do to something you can't wait to do. And... Good. There's a book by Claude Bristol, and I'm trying to remember the the name of it. He only wrote one or two books in the 50s. Anybody who wants to Google it could find it now. Claude Bristol. He talks about this technique that is the, the same thing you that the three of us have been chatting about here for 45, 50 minutes now which is the application in business of these stress management skills. And he said, before you pick up the telephone, whether it's a cold call or, you know, a hot lead or a, a, a somewhat in between warm call, somebody you've talked to two or three times, before you make that phone call, and even if you've made a dozen others before that on this day, Close your eyes with your hand on the telephone. Close your eyes. Take one slow, deep breath and visualize in your mind's eye the call going exactly the way you want it to go. Mm -hmm. Imagine them being receptive. Imagine them being happy to hear from you. If you think you have reason to believe that this is going to be a challenging call with a lot of resistance, You might want to rewind and and play it forward again and then rewind and then spend a couple of minutes anticipating that resistance, 
not trying to overcome it, but acknowledge it. You know the old sales technique, feel, felt, found? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know how you feel. I've felt that way myself. But here's what people want acknowledgement. Acknowledge the objection. But here's what I found. And here's what do that all in your mind's eye for a minute, at most three minutes, and then pick up the phone and make your call. Hmm. This is the essence of sports psychology applied to business. Yeah. Visualize what you want. It's like the basketball players in Maxwell Maltz's Psycho-Cybernetics. The guys that sat on the bench with their eyes closed and pretended they were making free throws improved faster than the guys on the court that were missing three out of five. Yeah. <laughs> well, Arnold Palmer. You, Arnold Palmer, exactly. See a dotted line as mm -hmm. your ball travels. If you think, gosh, I hope I can avoid this hook I've been working on, what did you put in your mind? The purple hook? elephant. Yeah, there you go. You see it going straight and true. You see the putt going right into the hole. You hear the kerplunk of how the ball sounds falling into the cup. This is... This is positive thinking on steroids. You've got to convince the subconscious mind that this is a reality, not just a wish. Wishing, wishing doesn't work. But mental programming, there's something very Freudian about that gong you just struck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's heaven telling you that you hit the gong. You just won the, the prize. You know, something that really brought it to mind, because I carry around my dream book here. Um, and yes, I know the words are misspelled, so leave me alone. Um, that's why no one will ever mistake this as theirs. <laughs> Mike, how many words did you smell on the front cover? Two? Yeah, me too. But, um, but I carry around this in, in multiple different as aspects of my life. And when I would positively reinforce the visualization of that you know, thing becoming a reality, it is scary how often it has become a reality down to well, the specific details of what I visualize. Listen to what you're saying. I know how you mean scary. Good scary. Good scary. But then uh, that's a negative wrong word. And, and then it goes back it to is, the negative How about it's thrilling. It's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's so it's, fulfilling. I'm, I'm ecstatic to, to watch the, un, the unrolling of my future self through there my visualization on a, on a daily basis. Subconscious mind is very, very literal. Yeah, it is. So you have to say That's what you mean. Walt Disney said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And when Disney World in Florida opened, Walt had already passed on. But his brother, Roy Disney, was at the opening ceremonies and said to this assemblage, too bad Walt's not here to see it. A few minutes later, Walt Disney's widow stood up and said, oh, by the way, Roy, if Walt hadn't seen it, it wouldn't be here. Huh. <laughs> oh, wow. that is, can we have him back more? Walt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Michael. Yeah. Thinking, I'm thinking once a week to, to school us. Yeah, oh, it's, 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 fun, it's funny that we went down this path because I just spoke to a guy. We just got him booked on the show. But he makes expired calls, and Michael, he said almost the exact same thing to me, and I want to know who the, the full name of that author was because uh, he talks about the guy that we just booked on the show. He, he calls on expired listings, so these, be, these are people that had their home on the market 
who had their home expire, failed to sell, they're, they're ticked off. These, I mean, these are the hardest calls to make in real estate, I mean, comparatively speaking. And he does the exact same thing. He visualizes success, takes a breath, and what he does is he visualizes having a great connection and, and extending his awareness to them uh, and visualizing that call going exactly how he wants to in the sense that they are receptive and that he's able to turn the call around to where they go from being frustrated to being happy to hear from him and, and how that plays out. Uh, so he actually hand dials where a lot of people that, that call on expired listings will just use a, a dialer and just power through. So it, it com I'm completely um, yeah. counterintuitive, counter, like contrarian approach to, to making cold calls. And so I'm excited to have him on. I literally just booked him here the other day. It was like Friday. I think I talked to him. He's a friend of uh, Aaron Wittenstein's who's been on the show before. I've never heard anybody else talk about that. Uh, so it's funny we went down this road and you mentioned those exact techniques. So, so the author, again, the guy that wrote the book in the 50s, it was Claude who? Bristol. Bristol, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd like uh, to write, read uh, everything that he's, he's put out. That's interesting. I can't believe I'm blanking on the uh, uh, title, but a simple Google search will bring it up. And uh, Magic of Believing? There it is, Magic okay. of Believing. Thank Good. you. Wonderful book. Good. Uh, and if we got a couple of minutes, uh, this, I think, is a wonderful setup for what we were going to talk about, which is relationship marketing. Mm -hmm. Relationships are everything. Yeah. I can say that again. Relationship, I don't care. You know, a butcher knows how to cut meat. A baker knows how to bake bread. A banker knows all about money. The weakness in virtually every business is people skills. And to begin to develop good, positive, trusting relationships, real deal, sincere, I trust Matt. I really like Greg. I believe in him. This guy, these guys are the kind of people I want to do business with. There's a lot of value in direct mail and all manner of marketing, including social media, provided it's an entree to developing a real sincere relationship first. And don't be too quick to jump to the pitch. Mm -hmm. Ask questions. Tell me about your business. Tell me about what you're looking for in a home, in your case. Um, Tell me what your concerns are. You want to interview them. And then when you're done, send them a send-out card using a web-based service that I've used with my clients and customers and students for 10 years. And I've sent over 10,000 greeting cards. We don't do it because greeting cards are expensive and it takes a lot of time to handwrite a card. But if you could do it for a dollar, in a matter of seconds and the web-based service prints it on demand like Starbucks coffee. They have no inventory. They print cards on demand within 24 hours, stuff the envelope, address it, put a stamp on it, take it to the post office and do all of that for you. And you can build campaigns. 
it's a, you can send gifts. You can send uh, Starbucks cards and brownies and cookies and even fine gifts like watches and stuff. But it's it's the card. It's the thought. It's it's he cared. And you don't talk about business in the greeting card. You just say it was nice to meet you. And um, you use their contact manager to make notes about the name of their kids and their dog and their golf score. And it's all a get to know me kind of a deal. And if you resist the temptation to put some sort of business pitch in it, see if you did that, it's just another direct mail system. But if you developed a friendship and so it was really nice chatting with you on the phone, it was great to meet you, your friend Greg, your pal Matt, and don't even mention business, you magnetize that relationship, that relationship and you're going to get more referrals and you know what to do with. Real estate, you're looking for a house, I know just the guy. See, every, every year on my birthday, the only card I get is from Matt or Greg. They, they're the nice. In fact, they send me just thinking of your cards a couple of times a year. My biggest deals have come from these kind, this kind of outreach. Giant, I mean, huge jobs, thousands of dollars from a ninety-nine cent greeting card. And uh, you got drag and drop pictures. Imagine you sell a house. You put a picture of the house you sold in the card maybe a picture of you handing them the keys and just say congratulations. And then six months later, just thought of you today. How's that new home? Again, talk about repeat business and referrals. That's the magic of relationship management and relationship marketing. What What's the name of the site? Well, I'd, Every time I send somebody to the site, they end up with more questions than answers. So if you don't mind, what I'd recommend is they call me. Yeah, of course. I, I, it's not what I do for a living, but I am a rep of the company. I've been with them for 10 years. I'm one of the first people in the ground floor, and I'll connect them up. I'll show them. It's one of those things where you really got to show show people. I have free gift accounts. I give them a free gift account. They can try it out, see how they like it, and go from there. I don't sell it. I just enroll people who see the wisdom in doing it. Mm -hmm. So email me, mb, my initials, at theagelesswisdom.com. mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Dot com MB like Michael Benner, Mary Baker. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Very, very cool. So I appreciate that you're willing to, uh, to do that and help people. And, and I'm sure that there are people out there that would like to strike up a relationship with you. And, and one of the other ways they can do that is by listening to your podcast where they can get more of this type of content. Um, I would love to go into this, these types of things more, more of the mindset, uh, and, and deeper things. Uh, I think that's where, um, I think that's where the real change is at. Um, and overall, like we have to kind of 
So with the podcast, I mean, obviously a lot of people, they want, they want the tactics when really the strategy is more important. So sometimes we have to kind of sell people what they want and then give them what they need once they're, once they're in something like this. So yeah, I would like to do more of these types of episodes because I think there's more potential for transformation uh, rather than just giving people a bunch of different ideas and tactics that they can try out that don't end up making a huge difference in their life. So I, I love the content. I appreciate that you're, that you're, of what you brought today. I love the direction that the episode mm-hmm. went today. It was really, really cool. Totally unexpected, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was awesome. So I, but, I, I love it. It's, it was, it was really fantastic. I know Greg, you were, you know, there's a lot to think about. Let's put it that take, way. Taking notes very, very quickly, but one more time, what is the name of that podcast? So people, they can hold on to a lifeline and listen to you before you come back on this show, but what's, where can they go, go, go binge on your goodness? Oh, what a nice way to say it. Thank you. Uh, the podcast is called The Ageless Wisdom or The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, and it's in the iTunes store. They can just search Ageless Wisdom or Michael Benner. It's also available on Stitcher, uh, Player FM, and virtually all of the major uh, internet uh, podcast directories. So um, I got it right here. I just down. I just got. I have it on. Um on uh, iTunes podcast thing. So iTunes, uh, Google play has it. Yeah. It's easy to find. That's good stuff. I know I'll be binging. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And I'd be happy to come back. I love doing this. I just, I mean, I don't have to prepare for a show like this because my whole life, this is what I, I, I care most about. I love people. And if people only knew who they were, they'd love themselves too. If people are far out, they're, they're wonderful underneath their fear and their anger and the kind of, uh, God, look what we're going through now in the wake of the election. Mm-hmm. It's just either or. you got two positions and that's it. Nonsense. Absolutely. Everybody is a unique individual. We, we have DNA proof and fingerprint evidence that each of us is incomparable. So, you know, how can somebody else love you if you don't know what's lovable about you? And that is a good question. And that's where a lot of people go wrong because they, they get told what is lovable about them, but they've never sought out and found what, what is truly lovable that they love about themselves. Then they it's, can go ahead. It's, it, it, it's so gratifying to be able to drop the BS. You know, the Who Tune Eminent Front? Mm-mm. Daltrey sings eminent front. It's a put on to drop the mask. Personality is rooted in persona, which means mask. Drop the BS, drop the mask, give up the role playing, be who you really are. People will love you. They will buy from you. They will trust you. They'll refer their friends to you and you get the freedom to be who you are. Yeah. You know, I've actually done a lot of that with my own personal, just attire. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast has given me and Matt an opportunity to be more of who we truly are. I finally let the gloves come off and I'm just who I am. Sometimes Matt wants to punch me squarely in the nose. Yeah, Sometimes I, will, I wish you were a little less of who you are, Greg. But that's all right. <laughs> Other people seem to like it. Yes, they do. Matt, we are, we are almost 10 minutes over bingo. Yeah, we are. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we'll talk, Greg, we'll talk about the jump to the line and all that stuff uh, another time since this yes. is already Friday. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. But uh, I'm sorry yeah, Matt, to talk about your time, you guys. But... Yeah, Matt, no, it's Monday. <laughs> Matt, it's Monday. This, this is what we're here for. So the, the right. content was fantastic. Good. It's Monday. It's Monday, buddy. Right. What's good, that now? Good. 
It's Monday. You said today's Friday. Did I say it's Friday? Oh, sorry. Yeah. All right. But the moral <laughs> of the story is we've got a couple of days. We'll, we'll mention that on Wednesday so people can jump the line and, and talk to you this Friday if, if you're able to, uh, or this yeah. Thursday. This Thursday Thanksgiving, is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Are you going to do the jump the line this week? No. Okay, so never mind. So we're not going to talk about it at all. Forget I even mentioned it. Forget what day it is. Don't listen to this. You're probably not going to hear this until two weeks from now anyway, so it doesn't matter what day I'm saying it is. So anyway, um, but yeah, let's, uh, we'll, we'll end on that note. Uh, if you, and I can't encourage you strongly enough to go subscribe to Michael's podcast so that you can investigate these things further. I'm going to pick up the book, uh, Claude Bristol, The Magic of Believing, because uh, I want to you know, go more in depth on that. Uh, in terms of um, raising your awareness of other people and uh, and building that connection, building that relationship, because that's how I want to build my business. I, I want to be more of myself rather than putting on like an, an artificial mask and, and trying to be something that other people want to, uh, you know, want me to be. And I think we could all benefit by, by doing more of that. So with that said, guys, we'll have to end it there. We like Greg said, we are way over bingo here. So thanks so much for watching. We really appreciate it. I, yeah. I hope you, you stuck around for the entire episode and got everything and took a lot of notes because there's a lot of deep stuff that you can do, a lot of deep work to do on yourself uh, that will benefit you and your business and your family and your entire life. So make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. If you like the video version, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. If you prefer the audio version, uh, head on over to the website, mcdanielrealestatesystems.com. You can download Greg's free script. You can check out the video farming course there, all about high-tech, high-touch real estate farming. We've got a circle prospecting course we're working to put together for you guys. Uh, Aaron's running his expired mastery course. Uh, so if you're listening to this um, anytime within the next couple of months, you can sign up with that. Just there's more information in the lead gen description objections group on Facebook. So with all that said, guys, thank you so much for watching. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah. That was awesome. And uh, we will see everybody on the next episode. We'll see you Thanks, guys. Chris. Love you.